0: Penn State Conversations is a podcast produced by the Donald P. Belisario College of Communications. Episode topics range from the people, programs, and events that shape the Bellasario College to discussing key aspects of life in the professional world for young and upcoming communications alumni. Please enjoy this episode of Penn State Conversations.
1: Welcome to this week's episode of the Penn State Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Jerome Taylor, and on this week's episode I spoke with Shaheen Pasha about her journey to Penn State, the work she's done in her career, and the prison journalism program she wants to bring to the Belisario College of Communications.
0: My name is Shaheen Pasha and I'm the assistant teaching professor in the journalism department.
1: And you started this year, correct?
0: I just started, yeah. August. It's my first uh, it's my first semester here.
1: And what are you teaching?
0: I am teaching ethics, which is my first time teaching that, although I always did incorporate it into my classes, but I love that class. And I'm teaching opinion writing, you know, columns, commentaries, things like that.
1: I know you've had education, jobs, like three different places, I think it's Pace, um, American University in Cairo, Mm -hmm. and then University of Massachusetts? Yep,
0: University of Massachusetts Amherst. So I started my career as an adjunct at Pace University, which is actually my alma mater, that's where I went to school for undergrad. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, and then I got, a, you know, I was working for CNN back then, and I got a job offer to go to Egypt and teach at the American University in Cairo, which I thought was amazing. <laughs> and yeah. so I, I went, and from there um, I went back to journalism, full-time journalism, and I got recruited by the Ameri- um, by the University of Massachusetts, Amherst. So I went um, to Amherst, Massachusetts, which was the most rural place I had <laughs> ever lived in up until that point. Yeah,
1: yeah. and how did that opportunity to go to Egypt kind of come about?
0: It was one of those things that I always kind of knew that I wanted to go to Egypt. I would actually told my husband when we were engaged that we were going to live in Egypt one day. And he was and he asked me why we were going to do that. And I said, I don't know. <laughs> I just, I know that I'm supposed to do that. And yeah, this I saw a job opportunity for a teacher, a professor. And I said, okay, let me apply. And it just worked out. And I was, you know, I was pregnant with my second son. I wanted to, you know, move a little bit away from full-time journalism for a while. I love teaching. And I thought, you know, this is an adventure. And you have to understand, this was a time when... It was very hard to get overseas because, you know, the industry was really shrinking and, you know, trying to get foreign correspondent roles was not going to happen. This gave me the opportunity to go teach, but also to continue to practice journalism in the Middle East, which is what I wanted to do.
1: Where did that education, like, bug come from? You know, uh, you said you were a full-time journalist, so at what point do you go, maybe I want to (laughs) go teach this?
0: Honestly, I never thought I was going to be a professor. I had uh, the chair of my department at Pace when I was in college said, you know, you should do this because, you know, He was like, you have an ability to teach for a project I did in class. And I was like, I'm never going to do that. I'm going to be a foreign correspondent. I'm going to go cover the rest of the world. And he said, you know, that's great. Go do that. When you're done, come back and teach. And I don't know, that always stuck in my head. And then as just a favor, they needed um, an adjunct to teach for a class at PACE. Current that chair that that time he contacted me and said you know hey we have a spot can you please do it I, I didn't know anything about it but you know I loved my chair so I said sure I'll, I'll come in I'll do this class and really did not expect to like it absolutely fell in love with it and then just kept coming back and I would just work all day and then teach night classes while I had a kids <laughs> so yeah yeah busy busy busy
1: I know you started your undergrad at Pace uh, speech communications was mm-hmm. that, was yep. that what you, so what's how where's that transition come to from there to journalism.
0: I always wanted to be a journalist. Okay. I knew I wanted to be a journalist when I was five years old. I was the weird kid that used to stand in front of the mirror with a hairbrush <laughs> and report from Moscow. I mean, that's, that's who I was. Um, but I really wanted to be in the city. Uh, I had gotten into Pace um, you know, up in upstate New York, which is a journalism program, and I just you know, something inside me said, you know, I'm from New York, I want to go back to New York, I want to go. So I decided that, you know what, I'm going to go to New York, I'm going to be a speech major, and I'm going to intern while I'm there. And, New York is the best place for internships, so I had these amazing opportunities while speech major. So that's kind of how it started, but I always knew from day one that I wanted to be um, a journalist.
1: And so, I mean, that transition is pretty easy when you go. You went to Columbia for graduate school, right? Yeah, yeah.
0: I did. Um, yeah. One of the advantages of being in New York City is I had the ability to do internships at MTV and CNBC and Forbes, which are huge names. and. That made it easier for me when I applied to Columbia to actually show a portfolio and show, you know, like some background. So I actually got into Columbia right out of undergrad. So I was really young. <laughs> I was <laughs> twenty one when I joined Columbia, and I think I was like the youngest person that year.
1: And so you said you've always had like this this bug. Did you did you have like a dream story of what you were going to do, or?
0: You know I. Honestly, I had thought I was going to be a war correspondent. That was something I'd always uh, planned on, I'd always wanted to do. It was something that I'd fully set my life on. And then, you know, I had that up until I had my first kid. And then at that moment, you know, when she was born, I was like, you know, I don't think that that's what I want to do. I, you know, it's one thing, you know, you're married, my spouse will understand. But I was like, for my kid, I didn't want to do that. And then I had another kid. So when I did go overseas and I did wind up reporting from the Middle East, I was, you know, in Cairo, but then I moved to Dubai and I was covering, you know, all of uh, the Middle East and North Africa. I was more focused on, um, we did business, we did culture, we did other things, but I didn't go out and do work correspondence. But that was honestly, I think, what I'd always expected to be doing.
1: And you have, I just. I was just looking at some of the stories you've written. Oh, God. Like, <laughs> so you just have a variety of things. So, um, I mean, you start, one of the things that grabbed me was the birth of the hedge fund. Oh, one of your yeah. Stories. And then... <laughs> Um, uh, why we need more journalism courses in in prison was another one of your stories so what is maybe the most interesting story (laughs) or something that you find like super fascinating? because you are your stories are all over the place yeah
0: no I mean honestly I started my career as a financial journalist so a lot of my career was doing business reporting and what I didn't know anything about business I have a tendency to do things when I don't really know what I'm doing right but I loved the ability to kind of bring the human side out of it, and so even that's where I started my career. But I knew I always wanted to tell stories about people more than money. But if I was going to do a story about money, I wanted to do a story about how it affected people. So I, you know, moved from like business to law, and a lot of my work actually wound up covering the legal system. I was, you know, I covered the Enron trial for CNN. I was um, actually broke that verdict, which I was really proud of, and I covered Supreme Court and I covered all sorts of things. But it always would come back to somehow law and you know, corruption, police, and eventually, it, you know, I realized that I was really interested in reporting on the prison system and reporting about people inside incarcerated. And I'd also, you know, done some of that legal, I ran a legal magazine overseas in Dubai as well. So it was something that was always part of my career. When I came back to the U.S., I really wanted to try something there. and I. Didn't want to just talk about the prison system from an outsider perspective. I actually wanted to teach um, the. I mostly work with men, male students, the guys inside, how to talk about being, you know, incarcerated, and I didn't know how to do that. So I started volunteering and teaching um, the guys inside how to do journalism, how to write, how to, you know, report from within, how to just express themselves, and that like just lit a spark under me, and I realized that, you know. I think everything I've been doing kind of led up to that. And so that's sort of what my real, my passion is.
1: So, and you are starting a prison journalism program?
0: That's the goal, yes. So I'm, um, I was brought here to do, start creating classes um, in which we'll be talking about mass incarceration and um, journalism and media, but my what the plan is, is to also go inside the systems here. And you know, Pennsylvania has a lot of prisons. And I had done this back in um, in Massachusetts. I had actually created a class with my partner that we taught explanatory journalism to the local jail. And we brought in 17 students from UMass into, um, the, into the jail. And they taught alongside and learned alongside 10 incarcerated men. And they were able to create stories. And the, the guys inside were the ones who envisioned it and did the reporting from within the walls. While my students from outside were able to, you know, interview experts, interview, you know, get statistics, do the types of things that the guys inside couldn't do, that is um, something that I, a model that I wanted to, you know, do more of. So that's what I'm hopefully bringing here, and that's the goal: to do inside-out classes here, bring students from journalism here inside uh, the prisons and jails around uh, Pennsylvania.
1: And uh, I just want to go back to something because I think it, it might have kind of just got glossed over. You said you broke the Enron verdict. Yes. <laughs> uh, what was that story like
0: I mean it was at that time the Enron trial was like one of the it was probably the largest corruption you know scandal that it hit um, and it was not just about these two corrupt executives it was about how many people working for Enron for years 25 years lost everything because of the actions of a couple of men who never took responsibility for it and I was covering, I didn't cover the original Enron, you know, when originally a scandal broke, but I covered the trial, which was in Houston. So I basically spent four months commuting um, between, I was living in New Jersey, New Jersey and Houston um, for four months for the trial, and it was amazing. It was just like this amazing experience, but it also really showed me how differently um, certain types of people are treated by the legal system, you know, because having worked with other people that have committed other types of crimes you know, it, it, they're dehumanized. Whereas these guys were still heroes. They were still these, like, you know, very you know, articulate, like everybody wanted to talk to them. And it was it was interesting to me, even at that time. So I was covering this thing, and I honestly, a lot of journalism is just literally being in the right place <laughs> at the right time and just, you know, getting this thing and always being good to all of the um, people that are around because I was nice to all of the guards and I was nice to all of the, the clerks. And so when I was just sitting there, thinking, okay, it had been days of deliberation. I was like, okay, it's not going to happen today. I was booking my flight home. One of the one of the bailiffs came by, and he's like, hey, heads up, verdict's in, right? Didn't tell anybody that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, because I happened to be there, so I was able to put that out. CNN was able to, like, you know, headline that. And then everybody was, like, quoting us, and then, you know, we were able to break the verdict. So it was, it was really exciting.
1: And would you say that story is probably one of the biggest stories you've ever broke or the biggest stories you've ever been a part of?
0: I think so, yeah. I mean, I think it was just for me it was one of my proudest moments because I was really young and I think I was still really dealing with the imposter syndrome of do I really belong here and that was kind of one of the moments where I was like no I I know what I'm doing okay this is good. Okay yeah (laughs) Yeah.
1: Uh, it's good that you bring this up because I bring this up with anyone who's practiced journalism like this this imposter Mm syndrome of how how long did that go how long did that happen and once it finally did get over it, what, what were you kind of like saying to yourself?
0: I had imposter syndrome last night. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I, I still freelance, okay? I still freelance. I, I mean, I, I write for various publications and I still um, have to do stories, which really challenge me because and they still tend to be a lot about legal, right? But um, I'm sitting there going, I'm not qualified for this. I don't understand this. They're going to know I don't know what I'm talking about. It's. I don't think it ever really ends. I think it just becomes um, you mask it <laughs> and just realize it's your job. I think I started realizing that I, after Enron, that, you know what, I do belong in this industry. And I also realized all of us, every single one of us was dealing with it, right? And every single one of us, because it was a very complicated story, mm-hmm. was trying to figure it out. And um, that kind of made me feel better. So it got to the point where I was like, okay, I don't feel stupid asking this question because I guarantee you everyone doesn't know and they're just pretending.
1: And then another, I guess, big moment is you have the chapter published, and I just want to get this book right, Mm. The Electronic Church in the Digital Age, The Cultural Impacts of Evangelical Mass Media.
0: Wow, you did your research. (laughs) Yes, I did. I did love that one. That was... yeah, that was that was a really, really exciting chapter, but it's interesting because it literally required me to spend hours and hours listening to Pat Robertson, and a lot of really, really hateful people, right? <laughs> and, and so the chapter is basically about how um, the media portrays um, Islam and Judaism, right, how uh, evangelical media portrays Islam and um, Judaism. And I think that this one moment, as a journalist, as an academic, you have to kind of just Take your feelings aside and just you know do the research, do the work, and not feel anything. But there were moments when I was watching some of the the shows and listening to some of these um, really really kind of vile uh, radio segments, then I would have to turn like turn them off because it's been, I spent hours listening to them and noting them, and it makes you really kind of sad for how little people understand each other. So yeah, that was uh, that chapter. It was all about trying to explain how people who only listened or primarily listened to evangelical media were interpreting the world and their opinions about Jews and and Muslims.
1: And how did that opportunity kind of come about?
0: It was one of those things that, you know, I have written about religion, I mean, I I like writing about religion, and I had spoken to... um, somebody who was involved with it, and they introduced me to the editor at the time. I kind of said, this is what I want to work on. And he was like, that's perfect. I wanted to do a chapter on this. And if you can narrow it to, you know, specifically evangelical media, you know, this will work. And, yeah, it was really, really interesting because it was just, I was writing it from a perspective also of, like, a Muslim American, right? So I start with um, September 11th, right? And as a Muslim American, that was a very, very huge moment for me. And since I actually witnessed the whole thing, you know, and I saw it in front of me, and I reported on it, I think taking a step back and then doing about, you know, doing a story about in the aftermath of that, how this community was portrayed in specific media was really interesting.
1: And I just have a question, because journalistic writing is kind of just, you know, get get to the point, get to the point, get yes. to the point, whereas, you know, you have a full chapter now to mm-hmm. kind of explore a story. So how is, that, how is that writing different?
0: You know, I think that for me, um, I think good writing is good writing. And even if... Um, It's a little bit stylistically different like I had more space (laughs) to be able to I think um, expand on things in journalism a lot of times you have to just get to the point and and put it out there I tried to use that space wisely and I, I really tried to use it in my head even though it was in an academic work I was thinking who if I could give this to somebody to read and they just think it's a good read it has nothing to do with academia doesn't understand those aspects of it but just wants to learn something that's who I'm writing for. So I um, I wrote it that way. And it seems, I mean, people liked it. They said that that was actually something that they noted because it, it was dealing with complicated issues, but in a very sort of readable, interesting way, where they could actually understand the history and they could understand um, just how, you know, what I had witnessed in a way that didn't get overly complex. And I, I think that's actually one of the advantages of being a journalist.
1: And would you ever do maybe a chapter or a book like ever again is this is something that you enjoyed that you would maybe think about doing
0: yeah absolutely i mean i I've, I've um you know that was like the first real sort of academic you know chapter i've since then you know i was a co-editor of an anthology and i you know on a muslim on hijab and veiling and so that one um, was published a couple of years ago and so i also had a piece in there so i have had pieces as part of larger anthologies, but those are more either memoir or essay writing as opposed to academic. But I would love to, you know, it gave me a chance to explore something I'd never done.
1: And then, um so you talked about the writing is different. What, what was that adjustment like, like in your brain? Like, you know, I'm a history minor, so mm-hmm. it's going back and forth from journalistic writing to you know writing for history. Yep. So I was at transition going in your
0: brain? It was hard. I mean, because there were moments where I'm like, I could really say this in like one paragraph <laughs> and I don't know how to extend this to 8,000 words. But I think that's the, that's the struggle that you know, journalists have in terms of reaching audience. And in that moment, I kind of just realized if I'm writing for this audience, this is not going to be necessarily for a mainstream audience. This is going to be for people that research this and you know have an intellectual desire for it. I gotta I gotta reach for them. So I adjusted my writing, um, and I went back and forth with it, you know, and I adjusted it to to really encompass the style that they that they were used to, as opposed to trying to give them something that they wouldn't find valuable.
1: And then you know you now done you've done public radio mm-hmm. too and and podcasting. Yeah. Um, what maybe drew you to that, and how the, how those opportunities come come about?
0: You know, honestly, I hate my voice. So I, the, think everyone does. I think yeah, everyone does. I hate my voice. I'm fine on camera, but like I never wanted to hear it. So, podcasting and like, definitely doing stuff for I was doing stuff for NPR was never part of the. The plan. And then I had um, been asked to do a reading at some sort of um, at this event where I was doing a reading about, um, once again, religion was a huge topic, about being a Muslim American mother, right, in the current landscape. And when I had done this like personal essay, sort of almost like spoken word kind of reading, somebody from NEPR heard it. At, I was at the event and asked me, can you adapt this for us? We do this, we do these like short kind of commentary things. And when I did that, it actually, you know, it was really well received and the editor kept coming back and saying, hey, you know, would you do another piece for us? Can you pitch us another one? And so it kind of created this momentum that I had never expected to do. And it also gave me the confidence to be able to then do radio. And I, I also helped out with um, a special series that was out of uh, Washington for talking about, you know, the first hundred days after, you know, the, the election of Donald Trump and society and all of that. And so I was there kind of East, this was Washington State. So I was sort of the East Coast person that was, reporting on it and cutting my own files and things I'd never done. If I hadn't done any PR, I would never have thought I could do that. So I think it's all just about evolving.
1: And how important would you say that skill is to just kind of be able to adapt to almost any type of medium, any type of situation.
0: It's invaluable. I mean, honestly, all of journalism, all of your career is about reinvention. You know, if you stay stagnant in one place, you're not going to get very far. I mean, I started off as broadcast and I became, you know, my first my first internship was MTV. I started off in music, right? <laughs> and then my first official job was at Dow Jones, where writing about stocks, you know? So it's a constant evolution, but then you get to learn things and be able to use like those different skills. So when I was at Dow Jones, I was also appearing on CNBC because of their partnerships and that kind of just evolved. Then I could go to CNN. So it's just, it gives you so many more skills to be able to switch from one thing to another.
1: And then um, what's this first year at Penn State been like? I mean, you said you started in August. <laughs> mm-hmm. So what, so far, what, what have you, have, do you like it?
0: I absolutely love it. <laughs> and I'm not just saying that because I just started. Right. <laughs> no, I mean, it's just a really, what I've noticed is that there's a lot of freedom for me to be able to do the work I want to do and not only is it freedom especially, and there's passion for it like when I mentioned that I want to do prison journalism it's not one of those things that's you know well why would you want to do that or do you think that you know people even care or the students who care, it's immediate. Like, oh my god, how can I help you? Like, you know, can I introduce you to this person? Can I connect you to that person? And that's something that I've really noticed about this college that everyone has been super supportive and excited. Like, it's you know, like we want to we want this as part of our our you know offering. So how can we help you? And I, that's a huge thing.
1: And what was that kind of process like to get here? You know, from you, you UMass. Were at, yeah, UMass. How was that like process from? Getting the
0: UMass to Penn State. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was a, a lot because I also, I am one of these people who also does a lot. Like I, I'm constantly, like, I'm freelancing, I'm doing different projects, I'm doing all these things. So um, just even in terms of the transition, while I was moving from Massachusetts, I was also freelancing for Bloomberg Law and I was also doing a State Department project, which I was, you know, like the academic director for 30 Pakistani students and taking them all around you know, New York and Washington and all these things, still trying to develop my prison journalism and all that stuff was and move from my house and yeah. sell my house to move here. So it was a very stressful kind of process, but I think coming here and then realizing, you know, how open everybody was and how like welcoming everybody was actually helped me. Like I didn't feel awkward at all and you know, just the students have been amazing, the faculty has been amazing, Dean Harden has been absolutely unbelievably amazing. So, you know, knock on wood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm happy.
1: What was that selling point that was like, yep, this is the place that for the next chapter for me.
0: You know, I hadn't I didn't know anything about State College. I mean, honestly, not at all. And when I came for this interview, I was like, you know, it sounds like an, inter- it was an interesting job. And it was actually for another job. And then Dean Harden called me and she said, you know, this prison journalism thing, you know, would you be able to do that here? And I'm like, I would love to because, really? you know, it's Pennsylvania, it's amazing. And she's like, if we can help you to do that here, would you come here? And I think that moment where I was like, all right, so there's actually people that see the potential for this because this is part of a larger project that um, I'm doing, you know, with another partner who's a former advisor at San Quentin News, and you know, which San Quentin's you know, that's, or is a state prison in California. They San Quentin News has won awards. She was the advisor for them, so she and I have partnered together to create the prison journalism project. And the prison journalism project is the goal is to create um, a textbook that we're going to do for journalism in order to Provide it for free to um, Department of Corrections around the country. Provide consulting services, set up workshops, actually help people inside learn how to do journalism themselves, so that they can tell their own stories. And when I explained that to Penn State, they were super supportive about it and said, "You know, how can we help you? How can we help you to do this?" You know, and I think that was that selling point when I saw the excitement and the innovation like the fact that it, they could see an innovative project and not only say that's great but how can we be a part of it that was a solid point.
1: and what was there was there something you were expecting at Penn State that you maybe didn't see coming or is there something that you didn't see coming that at Penn State that you kind of do enjoy
0: you know honestly it's it's all been new for me you know it's a it's a great university, I mean the students are super different and I think and I want to obviously diversity is not huge in a lot of places, right, in a lot of colleges and you know I'm sure we struggle with that here at State College too but what I've noticed that there is you know where in different places I've been everybody thinks the same you know everybody's either really blue-blooded liberal or you know very conservative and I didn't have that mix necessarily and now I am seeing much more of a mix of students where it's not just everyone preaching to the choir, where you will see people that are very conservative. You will pe- see people that are extremely like liberals, the people that are anarchists, people that are Republican and you know Trump supporters, and they're in my class. And that was something that I think, I actually was pleasantly surprised by that because I don't want to teach to just one group. Like I want everyone to have a say and everybody to learn from each other. So that was exciting.
1: And what are your expectations in the future at the bell Sar College of Communications?
0: My expectations, um, hopefully, is to build this journalism program. I would ideally love to make it um, something that we offer multiple offerings of different types of journalism and at prisons around uh, the state. I'd love to, for me to be able to work within Belisario College Communications to create a hub for prison journalism where we're able to teach others how to do it. And so that's, I think, um, I really want it to evolve here and I think it, it's really well placed to do
1: that here. Okay, and then just a couple, like, just loose questions. Are you ready for the first state college winter?
0: You know, <laughs> you know, UMass is really cool. I know, right? I know.
1: I know you're coming from Massachusetts. I'm
0: coming from Massachusetts, and I'm from New York, originally. Okay. I will say, I think it would have been a bigger shock for me if I had moved here from Dubai, because when I moved from Dubai to Massachusetts, I almost turned right back. Because <laughs> right? I moved on here December 25th in the middle of a snowstorm. Yeah. This is so much better so far. Am I prepared? I hate snow, so no. I'm never prepared for snow, but I will make do.
1: And also, I'm sure I told you about the Belisario Media Center that's going to be open. Mm -hmm. Are you excited about that? And do you have any plans that you might be doing in that? I am
0: so excited about that because in my head I'm already thinking about like how I could, you know, like use this to like, you know, create different types of stories and multimedia platforms and like, you know, be able to tell stories about our guys inside and like, you know, maybe teach skills to them that we can take out. I have all these ideas of things I want to do like across media, you know, like podcasting and, you know, Ear Hustle is a podcast out of San Quentin, things like that, you know, audio, video, so many ideas, photography that I think would just be so, you know be perfect in a new place like
1: that okay well thank you for doing this
0: thank you for having me thank you for listening to this episode of penn state conversations for more information about the donald p belisario college of communications including the latest news and upcoming events visit belisario.psu.edu or find us on social media at psu belisario on facebook instagram and twitter